Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. This is the John Oakley Show podcast. When it comes to traveling, I mean, uh, I don't know if you've been abroad, but on occasion you travel to places in Europe and you'll notice something that uh, is maybe foreign to domestic motorists here in this country, and that has to do with the roundabout. And I was reading an intriguing article in the Post earlier today. Want to save lives? Embrace roundabouts. Its author, Lorraine Sommerfeld, is an award-winning automotive writer, and she's joined The Oakley Show this afternoon to explain why this could be a lifesaver. Lorraine, how you doing? I'm good. How are you? Very good, too. So uh, a lifesaver, the roundabout. I'm familiar with them from, like, traveling in Ireland or Portugal and uh, even places down in Florida. I see them quite often. Uh, I didn't really process the information that this was uh, something that would be a lifesaver. How is that? Well, if you picture a standard signaled intersection, making a left turn is the most deadly thing we do on our road every day. But if you can eliminate side impact crashes and head-on collisions and people speeding through intersections, you would reduce the injury rate and fatality rate, and the stats are there, 76% of injury crashes could be eliminated if we went to roundabouts. They're engineered to control the speed, um, but the actual, you can't go racing around inside of one. Like, I mean, you could, but you'd be on your head in 10 seconds. So you're controlling the speed, and because you're not making left turns, you're going around, it keeps the traffic moving at a steady speed, but you're not cutting other cars off. And it makes tons of sense if you think about it. You can't have a head-on collision in a roundabout. Yeah, but can you move the same volume of traffic or number of cars? Way more, way faster. Really? That's, that's the brilliant part. Well, you haven't got cars stacked up waiting at a red light, and you haven't got people jamming to make, you know, that advanced left arrow. None of that is happening. So you, you come up, you put, you look to your left, both if it's one lane, they're super easy if it's a one lane roundabout, but either way, you pull up, you, you yield to anything that's in the circle, and then you enter. So frequently, when there's no traffic, you're going right in immediately. You're barely, you know, you're barely yielding. And even when it's busy, you, you wait for your opening and then you go. But the cars are constantly feeding through. There's lots of video. There's lots of um, really cool graphics that you can watch when it's working, which means everybody knows all the rules. They move things through so much more quickly, and that cuts down on pollution. It cuts down on collisions. They're, they're a super answer. Again, with Lorraine Sommerfeld, automotive writer, talking about roundabouts, how they're lifesavers, and we ought to embrace them. And yet, you know, you say, well, it's simple enough when you've got just the one lane you uh, would merge into, uh, and everybody's sort of on the honor system. Uh, you go and, But then I've seen situations like roundabouts or something replicating them in places like Delhi or Cairo, and oh, it's, scary. <laughs> it is, it's every person for themselves. And I've seen cyclists weaving in and out of the traffic, people on mopeds. I mean, that's just organized chaos or maybe disorganized, isn't it? I think it's important to delineate that there's different kinds of roundabouts and we shouldn't call them all the same thing. Um, the ones we're talking about have a center in them, like an island. Mm. And a lot of those ones you're talking about, the crazy ones. And why well, I put a video up with my article on the, the Arc de Triomphe, and it's the only one, a major one, where 
the traffic in the circle is supposed to yield to people coming in. So run that video. It's chaos. <laughs> it's just crazy. But if, what we're talking about, they have that center um, island that's it's got a truck apron on it so the trucks can you know make their way through it. The ones that are wide open, some of the ones that you're mentioning, I just watch them wide-eyed going, how does anyone live? Yeah. <laughs> there's that. There's Rome as well, but the Arc de Triomphe, yeah. yeah, that comes to mind. So oh, yeah. how do pedestrians then fare with roundabouts? The important thing with roundabouts for everyone that's going to use them, all road users, and I'm a huge proponent of sharing the road with everyone that's entitled to use it, which is all of us, is the signage. They're usually very clearly marked. That's why when you come up, you have to choose which lane you're going to be in for your own safety, but for also everyone else's. The markings are there for pedestrians and cyclists as well. And they'll usually tell a cyclist, if you're not positive about how you're doing this, treat it as if you're a pedestrian, which means, you know, dismount and go across at the proper area that's marked. But part of the problem here, the engineer I spoke to, he is a roundabout specialist. That's his name. Hmm. And he says it's education. We don't feel comfortable or confident in them because we don't necessarily come across them very often. When you're in areas where people use them every day, like Kitchener-Waterloo has a ton of them, way more confident when people are in them because they know what they're doing. And it's not a case of, I can't do this, therefore we shouldn't have them. It's, let's look at these kind of safety numbers, a 76% reduction in injury rates and collisions. That's too big to ignore. Yeah, I was going to say, and uh, you do offer up the tidbit that I've experienced firsthand. Uh, if you can't get it right and you've lost your uh, cutoff, just keep going around in keep a circle. Around. <laughs> you get a little dizzy, but nonetheless, uh, it yeah. saves your life, perhaps. And, it, and it's safer. You can always do a U-turn. You can do anything in there. You can just keep going until you feel safe, even mm. if you're kind of trapped in a centrifuge. <laughs> You know, I, I've never understood, and I see this all the time in the city, for example. Uh, you cite the left-hand turn as being problematic. But let's say you're even in a dedicated left-hand turn lane uh, as you're facing a green light, and pedestrian traffic is going. You've got five, six, 20 cars stacked behind you waiting. You can't make that left turn because, you know, one pedestrian crosses, and then, you know, another one decides they're going to cross, and you might only get six pedestrians across in 30 seconds. Shouldn't they be held back? And then you go on mass, and uh, that way, it might alleviate the timeline where somebody has to wait online to make the left. The only thing is, if you have a, if you have a signaled intersection, then that's you have to have it signaled for everybody. If it's an unsignaled one, which is most roundabouts don't have signals; they have all the markings, and you follow them. Everyone has to hold up their end of the bargain, so to speak, which means pedestrians too. They have to cross only at a designated pedestrian cross. They'll have the right of way. It, it's when I describe the multi-lane ones, the, and I I learned this because I didn't know. If you're make, if you're taking the first exit or going straight across, you should be in the right lane. If you're going around to the third or fourth one, you should be in the inside lane. And I said to this engineer, I go, I hug that outside lane. He goes, Yeah, you're not doing it right. Mm. <laughs> okay. So I learned. It's like you know that would be I would be at fault because I would be effectively cutting off somebody in the left lane, which you don't do in any kind of intersection. But again, just like with any other kind of road manners, cyclists, pedestrians, and motorists, we all have a job. And if we all did it, and that would help the stats incredibly. A lot of people will say to me, pedestrians have got their face in their phones, they're not looking, You know, they don't obey the signals. I know, they don't. We still don't get to hit them. It's not cool because they'll die. But... Right now, there's a lot of anger and a lot of rage 
especially in our heavy urban cores. And we have to all get on the same page and start saving lives. And until we buy into that and we all want the same outcome, we're going to keep seeing this crash of ideals, to use a probably terrible word. But right now we've got cyclists and pedestrians and motorists at each other's throats. And the problem is people are dying and the fatalities are going up in our in Toronto and Vancouver and it's wrong the cars are safer than ever yet we're doing more damage than ever and so if I can find something like this that's proven for 30 40 years to be safer and it's getting better all the time I'm looking at politicians saying please look at this they roundabouts take more land in some cases um, they take more resources up front but the long-term savings are there the studies are there and this is for everybody cars pedestrians, cyclists, we need to look at something where we can all get along and stop killing each other. I was going to ask if it's practical to implement these. I mean, you look at some of the major intersections in downtown Toronto, whether it's Bloor and University or, you know, could be, uh, well, somewhere, anywhere on Young Street. That just doesn't seem practical, does it? And, and this is where the planning comes in. It's like as we're developing, you'll probably notice in new subdivisions um, as they go up, they're putting in the little tiny roundabouts, like in very tiny residential areas and some people just drive up and over them (laughs) (laughs) or they cheat the left they just go left because there's no one around but again it would help to institute these in the planning and the u.s dedicates an awful lot of money to doing this ahead of time because they're putting in a lot more than we are we're growing we're using more but we need the planners on board we need people to say look yes it's going to cost x number right now however in the long term it's going to be the right way to go. And even just not all these cars idling, sitting at lights. Mm. That's a huge thing for our environment. So there's a lot of pluses. Well, yeah, that stat that you cited off the top, 76% reduction in traffic fatalities. That's the arresting one that stood out for me, which I thought uh, warranted a discussion and to find out exactly what's in play here. And I appreciate you doing that for us this afternoon. Been a good talk. Thank you. You got it. Lorraine Sommerfeld, award-winning automotive writer on Roundabouts. Thanks for listening to the John Oakley Show podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere else you get your on-demand audio.